Good day. It's May 24th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide, a daily podcast in which we read portions of the Old and New Testaments each day, making our way through the Bible, which we are on course for completing by the end of the year. My name is David McAdam, and I trust that you are finding this podcast helpful and prompting you to stay at it, pressing on and reading through the Bible in a year, touching on the whole counsel of God, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and book by book. Paul told his protege, Timothy, to devote himself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. He says, Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. We are making progress, having just begun the tenth book of the Old Testament, the book of Second Samuel, and we continue to read from the fourth gospel, the gospel according to John. Our hope is that we are not just making progress in our reading, but also in our conformity to Christ as we apply God's wisdom pertaining to salvation. Our prayer is that we will have the joy of renewal in the spirit of our minds. So, Lord, we come before you and we ask that you give us understanding, that we would be able to say, this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Let's begin our reading by going to 2 Samuel chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. When Ishbosheth, Saul's son, heard that Abner had died at Hebron, his courage failed and all Israel was dismayed. Now Saul's son had two men who were captains of raiding bands. The name of the one was Baana, and the name of the other Rechab, the sons of Remon, a man of Benjamin from Beeroth, for Beeroth also is counted part of Benjamin. The Beerothites fled to Gittaim and have been sojourners there to this day. Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled, and as she fled in her haste, he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. Now the sons of Rimon, the Berothite, Rechab and Baana, set out, and about the heat of the day they came to the house of Ishbosheth as he was taking his noonday rest, and they came into the midst of the house as if to get wheat, and they stabbed him in the stomach. Then Rechab and Baana, his brother, escaped. When they came into the house, as he lay on his bed in his bedroom, they struck him and put him to death and beheaded him. They took his head and went by the way of the Arabah all night, and brought the head of Ishbosheth to David at Hebron. And they said to the king, Here is the head of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, your enemy, who sought your life. The Lord has avenged my lord the king this day on Saul and on his offspring. But David answered Rechab and Baana his brother, the sons of Rimon the Beerothite, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life out of every adversity, when one told me, Behold, Saul is dead, and thought he was bringing good news, I seized him and killed him at Ziklag, which was the reward I gave him for his news. How much more! When wicked men have killed a righteous man in his own house on his bed, shall I not now require his blood at your hand and destroy you from the earth? And David commanded his young men, and they killed them, and cut off their hands and feet and hanged them beside the pool at Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbosheth and buried it in the tomb of Abner at Hebron. Chapter 5 Then all the tribes of Israel 
came to David at Hebron and said, Behold, we are your bone and flesh. In times past, when Saul was king over us, it was you who led out and brought in Israel. And the Lord said to you, You shall be shepherd of my people Israel, and you shall be prince over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was thirty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned forty years. At Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and at Jerusalem he reigned over all Israel and Judah thirty-three years. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who said to David, You will not come in here, but the blind and the lame will ward you off, thinking, David cannot come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is, the city of David. And David said on that day, Whoever would strike the Jebusites, let him get up the water shaft to attack the lame and the blind, who are hated by David's soul. Therefore it is said, The blind and the lame shall not come into the house. And David lived in the stronghold, and called it the city of David. And David built the city all around from the millow inward. And David became greater and greater, for the Lord, the God of hosts, was with him. And Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David, and cedar trees, also carpenters and masons, who built David a house. And David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel, and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. And David took more concubines and wives from Jerusalem after he came from Hebron, and more sons and daughters were born to David. And these are the names of those who were born to him in Jerusalem, Shammuah, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ibhar, Elishua, Nepheg, Japhia, Elishama, Eliada, and Eliphelet. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. But David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. And David came to Baal-perazim, and David defeated them there. And they said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breaking flood. Therefore the name of that place is called Baal-perazim. And the Philistines left their idols there, and David and his men carried them away. And the Philistines came up yet again and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, You shall not go up, go around to the rear, and come up against them opposite the balsam trees. And when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then rouse yourself, for then the Lord has gone out before you to strike down the army of the Philistines. And David did as the Lord commanded him, and struck down the Philistines from Geba to Gezer. Chapter 6 David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, thirty thousand. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God. 
and Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error, and he died there beside the ark of God. And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. And that place is called Perez-Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David. But David took it aside to the house of Obedidim the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obedidim the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obedidim and all his household. And it was told King David, The Lord has blessed the household of Obedidim and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obedidim to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts, and distributed among all the people, the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins to each one. Then all the people departed, each to his house. And David returned to bless his household. But Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today! uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants' female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said to Michal, It was before the Lord, who chose me above your father and above all his house, to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord, and I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in your eyes." but by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament book of 2 Samuel. Now let's take a moment to reflect. Saul and his eldest three sons were killed in battle at Mount Gilboa. 1 Samuel chapter 31 verse 2, 2 Samuel chapter 1 verses 5 through 6. Ishbosheth, Saul's fourth son and oldest surviving son, is proclaimed Saul's successor, the king of Israel, by Abner, Saul's cousin and commander-in-chief. Abner defected and joined David, who is now king of Judah, when Ishbosheth charged him with having sex with Rizpah, his deceased father's concubine. Apparently, sexual intercourse with a member of the harem of a dead king was a way of laying claim to the throne. We don't know whether the charge against Abner was true. Ishbosheth certainly believed it. Abner was offended by it, and therefore, in retaliation, he
he turns against the new king Ishbosheth and pledges to help transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul to the house of David. David's commander, Joab, does not know that Abner has made peace and pledged his allegiance to David. Thinking he is still David's enemy, Joab kills Abner. When Ishbosheth learns of Abner's death, he is disheartened, and all Israel is alarmed. They have no strong leader in their midst. Ish means man in Hebrew. Bosheth means shame. Ishbosheth's name was originally Ish Baal, meaning man of the master. 1 Chronicles chapter 8 verse 33. But because Baal was more often associated with Canaanite fertility gods, Hebrew editors substituted Baal with Bosheth. In many ways, he is a son of shame and the last in the line of Saul to be king. Two leaders of David's raiding bands, Rechab and Baana, murder Ishbosheth while he is taking a nap. They cut off his head and take it to David, thinking that he would be pleased. Instead, David is outraged that the son of King Saul would be treated this way and orders that his raiding band leaders be put to death. Their bodies were hung in public as a warning. Out of respect, Ishbosheth's head is buried in Abner's tomb. David is finally installed as king over all of Israel in 2 Samuel chapter 5. We learn that David is now 30 years old, having reigned over Judah for seven years and six months. In Jerusalem, he will reign for 33 years. Up until now, the Jebusites have been able to hold Jerusalem. David, however, is successful in capturing the fortress in Zion. Jerusalem has been known as the city of David ever since, 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 9. Jerusalem is located on the mountains of Moriah, where Abraham went to worship the Lord and in obedience prepared to offer God the sacrifice he required, that of his promised son, Genesis chapter 22. When Isaac willingly cooperated with his father and laid himself on the altar, the angel of the Lord, having seen the devotion of the two, stopped the sacrifice and announced the good news that God himself would provide the sacrifice, or as it is translated, God will provide himself as a sacrifice on the mountains of Moriah, seen of God. The place was named Yahweh Jireh, the Lord will provide, Genesis chapter 22 verse 14. There in Jerusalem, centuries later, God the Father would provide his Son as a perfect sacrifice on the cross at Calvary. The plot advances towards that end, as Jerusalem is conquered and becomes the dwelling place of the thrice-anointed king, a foreshadowing of the dwelling place of the greater David, the Lord Jesus, who will reign there in righteousness. He will reign in and above Jerusalem. He is the light and the temple of the new Jerusalem. David disobeys God's word in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 17, and takes multiple wives. We learn of twelve of his children— in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 13. David is more careful to inquire of the Lord about going into battle with the Philistines than he is about choosing wives. Now that David is established in Jerusalem and in the process of building a palace, he sets out to bring the Ark of the Covenant from the house of Abinadab to Jerusalem. Big mistakes are made here. According to the word of God, the Ark was to be carried by the Kohathite priests, who would bear it on two staves of gold-plated wood, This is a picture of the presence of the Lord being borne about by believer priests by means of a personal cross that is personally identifying with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. Here, however, they try a Philistine upgrade. Instead of an old-fashioned cross, 
they have a new Philistine cart. David and the whole house of Israel are worshipping wholeheartedly. But trouble occurred when they came to the threshing floor of Nakon. The oxen stumble, and Uzzah reaches out to steady the ark. He violates God's holy protocol. The presence of God cannot be manipulated or controlled by any man. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 7, God strikes him dead. David is angry because of God's anger. David is thinking twice about bringing the ark to Jerusalem and reroutes it to the house of Obedidim, where it brings blessing to Obedidim's household for three months. When David sees how God has blessed Obedidim, he wants to have the ark back. He brings it back to Jerusalem with great rejoicing. It appears that the ark is now being carried according to God's revealed will in Scripture. Good call. David, wearing a linen ephod, dances before the Lord with reckless abandon. His wife, Michal, Saul's daughter, does not appreciate his enthusiasm, thinking it beneath his stately office. David defends his actions as being honorable to the Lord, no matter how it appeared in the eyes of others. It is clear that David and his wife, Michal, are not on the same wavelength. It comes as no surprise that Michal bore no children to the day of her death. Now let's go to today's reading from the New Testament, the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 31 through chapter 14, verse 14. The Upper Room Discourse continues. John, chapter 13, verse 31. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Chapter 14 Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. 
Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whosoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And this is the end of our reading from the New Testament book, The Gospel According to John. Once again, we take a few moments to reflect. The radical nature of Jesus' command to his disciples should not be missed. He gives each of us an accurate reference of what love in action looks like. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. John 13, verses 34 and 35. Simon, whose name means reed, one that easily blows in the wind, is also named Peter, meaning rock, something solid and reliable. Simon Peter presumes his reliability prematurely. He pledges to be allegiant to Jesus, even to the point of sacrificing his life for him. Jesus tells him the harsh truth about his Simon nature. Before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. Jesus gives what would have been recognized by his disciples as a customary Israeli marriage betrothal speech. The young man would pour a cup of wine and make a betrothal speech to his intended spouse, saying to the effect, In my father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. Sons would dwell on their family's allotted land, building an addition onto the father's house. I am going there to prepare a place for you, an allusion to a marriage chamber. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. John chapter 14, verses 2 through 4. Jesus had spoken about the new covenant being inaugurated by his death. The bridal imagery is clear when Jeremiah first speaks of the new covenant in Jeremiah 31, verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Jesus claims to be the way to the Father, not merely a way. He is also the truth about the Father. He says, He who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is the visible, tangible, perfect image of God. He is man as he is God made man to be, a perfect reflection of God's moral nature, completely uninhabited by sin and fully filled and flooded with the Holy Spirit. Now let's go to the Bible songbook, the book of Psalms, and we are reading Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. And as we have learned yesterday, each eight-verse section is composed of verses all beginning with the same letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Verses 17 to 24 begin with the letter Gimel. Verses 25 through 32 begin with the Hebrew letter Daleth. So let's begin reading with verse 17. Deal bountifully with your servant, that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones, who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight, they are my counselors. 
And now for the next eight-verse section, beginning with the letter Daleth. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me, and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Verse 18 is a regular prayer for every student of the Word of God. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. Psalm 119, verse 18. The Messiah has a name that is wonderful. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, Judges chapter 13, verse 18. May we behold Christ in the Word. Does your soul cleave to earthly things? Does it cleave to the dust? We need our spirits to be revived and our minds renewed according to God's Word. Verses 25 through 32 speak of the great benefit that God's Word offers the believer. He revives us according to His Word in verse 25. He teaches us when we reflect upon our life experiences in verse 26. His teachings not only guard us, but fill us with wonder as we meditate upon them in verse 27. His Word strengthens us in verse 28. His Word graciously deals with us, keeping us from deceitful ways in verse 29. His Word guides us in the ways of truth in verse 30. His Word preserves us from shame in verse 31. His Word sets our heart free in verse 32. This section of Psalm 119 reminds us of what Jesus said to His disciples in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in Him, If you continue in My Word, then you are truly disciples of Mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now let's go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 15, verses 31 and 32. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. Do you want to have wise friends and counselors? Welcome into your life those who are not afraid to speak the truth. Their critique can be tough at times, but may prove to be life-saving and life-giving. Listen to godly counsel and try to discern what needs changing in your life and be disciplined in pursuing a corrective course. These verses reflect the faithful role that the Holy Spirit plays in our lives as our counselor and comforter. Let's go together to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for opening our eyes and enabling us to behold wonderful things in your law. We behold him who is called wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, and Everlasting Father. For He communicates to us who live in time and space the truth about who You are. We behold in Jesus one who is greater than David, for He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Heavenly Bridegroom for whom we, His Bride, are preparing to meet face to face. We are grateful for this new covenant that enables us to be ready for Him and have His law of life written on our hearts. Free our souls from clinging to the dust of earthly things. Energize our spiritual faculties to set our affections on things above. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, that concludes today's excursion through the one-year Bible readings, and we look forward to being with you tomorrow. 
We remind you that if you'd like to know more about New Life Community Church and its ministries, or you would like to subscribe to getting a written copy of our Bible commentary for every day's reading, you can go to our website, newlife.org. And if you'd like to contact us or have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. And you can write us at podcast at newlife.org. It has been a joy to hear from you, and I trust that we can be together tomorrow. So until then, shalom. May the peace of the Lord be with you.